Hi, it's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is a young man I've known for quite a while, actually. I coached him in high school football in uh, Rockville, Maryland, one of my uh, linemen at the time. And he's gone into a member of the IB program, more importantly, International Baccalaureate. And he finds himself with his girlfriend today in Ukraine. Uh, Joel Wasserman is with us. Joel, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, just a quick clarification. Um, so I am currently alone in Lviv. Uh, my girlfriend and hopefully within the next, uh, within the coming hours, uh, her mom and her dog as well will be in a resort town called Yeremche in the Carpathian Mountains. And you sent them there or they decided to go there? What's the story behind that? <sighs> it's a hell of a story, I got to tell you. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go back and start all the way at the beginning. Okay. Um, Before you do that, we got to do our okay. break to pay the, pay the bills. We're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to go through all of it. So sit tight. It's just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. We'll be right back. Hey, just ask the question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With me is Joe Wasserman, a former uh, high school uh, football player that I had the privilege to coach it seems like many years ago, but it, it can't be that long ago, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. So Joel is with us and is going to tell us a story. He's, um, he, he moved to Ukraine to be with his girlfriend, and uh, they're separated now. And you take me back to the beginning, Joel, before commercial break, we were talking about it. Well, oof. I mean, the story of why I'm here goes actually uh, well back before I met, uh, before I met my girlfriend. Um, so... Why am I in Ukraine in the first place? Um, I've been interested in this part of the world for a long time. And I, you know, decided to, uh, when I went to college, I decided to study Russian. Um, I did language study in Moscow in 2012. And after I finished my language studies in Moscow, I decided I really wanted to live in the Russian speaking world for a while uh, to, you know, not just get my language skills down, but to understand the way life works in, 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 in places like that. And then 2014 happened with the Euromaidan revolution um, in which the uh, Russian-backed uh, uh, authoritarian Viktor Yanukovych um, repressed protests against a decision to 
reject an association agreement with the European Union. It's a long story. No, that's a long right. story short. It's long story short. Um, there's a massive popular protest movement, which um, kind of came together as, you know, a general rejection of the appalling corruption uh, uh, and, you know, lack of advancement that characterized uh, Viktor Yanukovych's tenure. And uh, how did Yanukovych respond to this? Well, he responded how the Russians told him to, which was to crack down brutally. It culminated in, uh, I believe, that, what was it, February? Yes, February 20th, uh, the day of the heavenly, heavenly hundred, as it's called here in Ukraine, when over a hundred uh, protesters were cut down uh, by bullets from uh, government forces in the center of Kyiv. Um, that was kind of the climax of the action of the Euromaidan revolution. Um, the the Yanukovych basically lost all uh, lost all support and uh, negotiated a way for himself to get out and then fled the country. Um, so after after the Euromaidan happened, uh, there was quite a, within almost a matter of hours began the Russian operation to annex Crimea. Um, Within about a month, month and a half after that, my chronology might be a little bit off here, That's right. uh, began the Russian invasion of Donbass, which is a, um, a heavily industrial region in eastern and southeastern Ukraine uh, that began the Donbass War, uh, which in its hottest phases was in 2014-2015. So I watched... Uh, the Maidan unfolded from my college dorm room. I watched what unfolded summer of 2014, and I decided that I wanted to make myself useful in Ukraine somehow, uh, that I didn't want to be in Russia, and that I, I, I really felt a calling to find some way to, 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 to be useful over here. Um, I graduated college in 2015. I um, spent time working. I spent time, you know, at an, uh, with an internship. I got a teaching certification because I decided that what I wanted to do was come over here and teach English, particularly with uh, veterans of the ATO, uh, the anti-terrorist operation, as the war in Donbass is called. Um, and so I... Living in Kiev? Uh, so... I came over here in March 2018, and up until a month ago, I you know uh, I lived in Kiev. Kiev was my home base, and you know I enjoyed traveling, but Kiev was home. Do you think that um, I, I want to go through what happened? Uh, all right, so let's let's start start with your girlfriend. You met her. Why is she going to Carpathia? So. Uh, Katya and I have been together for, for something over a year. So her story. To start with her story, I guess, you know, it's, it's worth explaining kind of the beginning of the whole chapter of, of the saga of this war. Um, starting in January, I was really starting to, you know, become concerned with the indications that there could be some sort of major action. 
a few hours actually before the U.S. Embassy began advising Americans to start leaving Ukraine, I decided that it was a good idea to relocate to Lviv for for a while, um, because back the, back then the I, I saw very compelling arguments on both sides of the will he won't he argument, but the won't he argument arguments were just simply not compelling enough to um, risk won't myself. He or won't he invade? You're talking about Putin. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that. Sure. How is the uh, on the ground in um, in Ukraine? What's the feeling towards Zelensky and then uh, the feeling towards Putin? I get a I get an inkling of the feeling towards Putin when the, you have uh, people shouting at him to go fuck himself and and, and the Russians well, to, to get the I fuck mean, out if, of there. If, so I guess it, it, and, and it's if pretty, if you'll pro, if you'll permit me a little bit of Russian or and, and Ukrainian profanity, one of the most famous express uh, pro-Ukrainian expressions over here is Putin huilo, which I would translate as basically Putin is a fuckhead or a dickhead. Um, <laughs> And it, it started basically as a chant at soccer games, and <laughs> which was, anyways. Um, uh, you can imagine how people feel about Putin, how people feel about Russia, um, how people feel about Zelensky. Um, the man. I think that history will have to judge how he prepared Ukraine for this. Right. History will have to judge his actions, you know, as president before this. But right now, the man is a hero. Um, the man refused evacuation out of the capital and oversaw the defense of this beautiful, ancient and noble city um, to to repel the Russian invader. And we've and, seen reports of, yeah. of, of just people, normal citizens picking up, taking up arms and defending their homeland, true? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that is absolutely something people are doing. That is absolutely something I expected people to do. Um, you know, Ukraine is a country with a rich, if very frustrating political life, but, you know, this is people's home and they know their home is Ukraine and not, you know, just, and not as, Russian vassals, and they will fight, they will die to make sure it stays that way. Do you think that Ukraine will fall? <sighs> Depends what you mean by will Ukraine fall. Will Ukraine um, in, will come under the governance of Russia? Will <sighs> absorb Ukraine? I think that eventually the, the, heavy, uh, the heavy armor that Russia has been rolling in from has been rolling in from the east or is going to arrive in the capital. And while Kiev will continue to spill the enemy's blood and oil all over its streets, uh, it can't hold out forever. Um, Do you see how much of you, well, how much of Ukraine is going to become under de facto Russian occupation? I don't know. And, and, you know, I, I really don't want to sound defeatist here, but um, you can look at the assessments that you, that us in, uh, intelligence has made about how this war would, about the fact that this war would start and how it would develop. And 
There are things that they've gotten right. There are things that they've gotten wrong. What are wrong? I, um, well, the first timing. Uh, I think that they are, I think that even, I mean, this, this is just kind of a gut feeling. I, I have no particular access right. uh, that they are surprised by the robustness and the effectiveness of Ukraine's defense. Uh, I have been surprised by the incompetence of Russians op- of Russia's operations. Um, I have been seeing I've been seeing so many videos of uh, of Russian prisoners who have surrendered. Um, their morale must be, you know, just total shit. I saw video. I've seen videos of captured tanks where the Ukrainian guys climb up on them and say, look at this shit. This is worse than ours. <laughs> and it's 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 this, these are the tanks of a superpower. And these guys are like, what is this shit? Um. You know, how is, the, it, how is the Ukrainian military? <sighs> is it I mean, you, the Ukrainian military has the, the effectiveness of the Ukrainian military has surprised even me. Um, I mean, so as I said, I came over to Ukraine to teach veterans. And, you know, the, the students that I had, you know, these are. These are hard guys. But, you know, they're professional guys. They're, you know, they're professional guys. Um, And, you know, this is not the sort of, uh, I mean, I guess the Russian army has a stereotype of, you know, where conscripts go for a year to uh, be abused by drunken sergeants and literally, you know, uh, you know, mind the potatoes at the colonel's country house. Right. Um, and <laughs> that's the stereotype. And from what I've seen, that is the that is the military that Russia has brought into battle against Ukraine. But Ukraine's military is confident. They are eager. They are eager to kill the enemy. Uh, they are eager to do everything they can to uh, to defend their homeland. Well, and that's what and they are doing right? a I mean, damn fine is, job. This is a this is defense. I mean, you would have to think the Russians. There's been a lot of protest in Russia. I don't know how dedicated the Russian military is to this, particularly with an intense amount of of uh, defense. But obviously, uh, those who are defending their home are going to be much more compelled to stay the course. Yes. Well, I don't know about a lot of protests in Russia because they've really got, they've really squelched down on any sort of dissent. Uh, Talking about Ukraine, um, Ukraine has said that they've killed uh, over three, uh, about 3,500 Russian soldiers already. I believe that is more than died in the entire second Chechen war, uh, which lasted years in the early 2000s. What are they reporting for casualties in uh, Ukraine for Ukrainians? That I, I, that I haven't been able to get tra- uh, to keep track of. Uh, the the day to day, I'd guess it's hundreds to possibly thousands, uh, because you know they the Russians began this with a whole lot of missile bombardments all across the country on military facilities all over, and those had to do a number, but you know they they. But you've been let's let's talk yeah. about the, the impression that you have that the Russians are a little inept in their in their uh, invasion so far. You think they've been 
less than what was expected, not nearly the uh, blitzkrieg that one expected? Speaking without strong military expertise and basically based on what I see from, you know, following people with that expertise and from telegram threads over here, yes, that would be my impression. Um, but they've yet to pull the, in the heavy armor. They have yet to pull in the heavy armor. They have yet to pull in, I think they've yet to deploy all of their forces across the borders. Uh, they've yet to really bring in bomber aircraft. Um, they've yet to achieve air superiority, which they've got to be embarrassed about. Really? Um, but I mean, they, they, it, time is not on Ukraine's side. And so tell me what I, today, yeah. you said today was a very difficult day. Walk me through what it's today been. was a hell of a day. Um, it's, so I have gone down to the. Let me I, explain for those who don't understand. As yes, absolutely. Us, it's it's two o'clock in the afternoon on the east coast. You are five hours ahead of us, so the sun seven has, seven hours ahead of us. So the sun mm -hmm. has set. It's nearly nine o'clock uh, your time. And so, walk me through what today has been like. Okay, a few things I want to talk about. Number one, uh, I've been down to the uh, to the to the basement, which is basically the air raid shelter, four times today. I went down there, I think, twice yesterday. Uh, the first instance, as I understood, was a missile was flying towards a target uh, in a region south of here, and the city could have possibly been on its path. And with a cruise missile, it's flying straight. You don't know uh, where it's going to land until it turns down. So go to the air raid shelters. Today, I couldn't tell you what it's about. Uh, so I've already kind of gotten used to going to an air raid shelter. Um, another thing, uh, the city is still, the city's still calm. Uh, the city is still resilient. There are people who are leaving. Uh, you know, I walk around the center and, you see, and I see a significant number of people pulling suitcases. I see a number, significant number of people carrying grocery bags back home. P uh, whether they're going or whether they're staying, people are calm. People have decided what they need to do that day. And they're, and tomorrow they're gonna make, they're gonna decide what they need to do that day, even they that they don't know what's what, what it's gonna bring. Um, the calm and grace under pressure here has has made me so proud of this country. Um, has made me it ha has made me. Is there military feel, in the city where you are now? Uh, there are. There are what I understand internal security troops, uh, more than yesterday, uh, more security internal security troops walking around the center than yesterday. And um, to be to put everybody in mind, uh, where the battle is ongoing right now in Kiev, and Kiev has not fallen as we speak, that's about uh, six hours east of you, yes. Uh, the train ride, the train ride on a relatively fast train is about five to six hours. Uh, I, I have to look it up on Google Maps how many miles exactly, but it's, um, I want to say if Kiev is like Buffalo, New York, then Lviv is roughly Chicago. We're talking four or 500 miles, right? Um, somewhere around those lines. 
And so um, another, an well, another thing that I want to talk about um, is that there is a very, people are calm, but there's a very serious security situation here. They are on the hunt for saboteurs. I received a notification from an official source that basically uh, saboteurs had worked through, you know, real estate rentals to find places to deploy um, and had, you know, been making markings around the city of objects to, uh, of objects and directions to sabotage. And for this reason, These when asked- forces, yes. Pro-Russian saboteurs, yeah. correct. Uh, that is why we're having a curfew because if you're out on the street at, after 10 o'clock, you are going to be assumed a possible hostile target. Um, this is why my, the, the, the landlord uh, who I'm renting this apartment from uh, was reluctant to let me host other people until I called him and he said, I need to see their documents first. And wow. so, yeah. And so um, I, I understand that they're resilient. I understand that people will fight. Is there any sense that, do they feel that they will be triumphant or do you get the sense that it's a, uh, 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 you know, like the Atticus Finch story, real courage is knowing you're licked, but going ahead and fighting the fight anyway. In the, the situation, uh, that, that's a different question in Lviv and in Kiev. Well, let's um, uh, Kiev. You left Kiev. How was it there? I left Kiev about a month ago. Uh, so, uh, so, I mean, when... Reading social media posts from my friends, I don't think that they're speculating about what the final result of the battle will be. What they're talking about is how much this hurts and how angry they are. Yeah. Um, and... Is this going to be like a battle of the Alamo or is there going to be troops to help out in, in Kiev? <sighs> or are they just on their own? There are trains frequently coming from Kyiv to the west. And if they want to get more of those trains, then the trains from the west have to come back. No, I'm and I'm afraid that's all I'm going to say. Support troops for, to support and help the defense of Kyiv. Um, if, tra if trains leave Kyiv and keep yeah. leaving Kyiv, then some trains are going to have to come back. And I'm afraid that's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. And where you are now same yeah. question um i think the i think that russians advancing on lviv is a much lower it, it is a I, I think and i still hope a relatively low probability possibility if the russians begin advance advancing on here or the bombardments Number one, start. Number two, become unbearable. That is the trigger uh, at which I would leave. Well, the um, question is, why wouldn't they? If they're going to take over the whole country. Lviv is the capital, uh, is, the, is the center of Western Ukraine. It is also the capital, the heartland of the Ukrainian nationalist movement, uh, which in a history that is, you know, which you can literally, and people have written books about, um, included a fierce anti-Soviet resistance during and after World War II. Um, people 
are proud of that lineage here. And if the Russian, if the Russians come here, um, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to work real hard to find enough soldiers to, to, uh, to tranquil, uh, to, um, to pacify this area because they will be hungry for blood. It was um, from outside looking in, you, you had said the president uh, Zelensky is a, is a hero now. Was there, were you surprised at the resilience of the people in Kiev? The people of Kiev have, have made me so proud. Um, people handled horrible bombardments and pitched battles last night in fear, but in an orderly way, going to the shelters, going into the metro. Um, people have taken up arms and I can't tell, I, I, I can't tell you how much is popular, how much is, you know, uh, civil resistance and how much is military, but the combined efforts have really done a number. Um, the people of Kiev made me so proud last night. So let me, let me um, jump to a couple other things before we go to a break here. Mm -hmm. uh, one is how are uh, essentials, uh, food chain, food supplies, uh, gasoline, uh, are, are they in decent supply where you are? So I wouldn't know about gas because uh, I don't have a gas station near me. I am, I'm in basically the, uh, the, the central area of downtown, a uh, few hundred yards from where all the journalists are staying, which is why I'm confident I'm pretty safe because they're not going to risk <laughs> killing a CNN person, are they? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah hey, don't fool yourself. <laughs> hey, are you kidding? They want to kill us, but that's another oh, Christ. story. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I went to get some groceries today. Um, hard, durable grains like buckwheat and rice were in short supply. Uh, the meat was 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 relatively, you know, a great selection. Uh, there was a good selection of, you know, ready to eat non-perishable foods like chips, cookies, and are people uh, uh, bars? Are people hoarding those or are doubling down? No, uh, there no, there were not. I, I mean, I got in filled my basket got out no problem i am however this worried country uh, if we have a snow you can't find toilet paper on the shelves <laughs> and, and and not only that but it is a violation of your constitutional rights and all of jesus's promises hey. <laughs> um so anyways um i mean the the shelves i mean different grocery stores between yesterday and today but not as good a selection today um but i was in and out no problem um have you seen any inflationary trends is it more difficult to i mean are the prices going up the price of the dollar is definitely going up i i honestly haven't been out <sighs> I honestly don't have the reference points to uh, to tell you about uh, to no. tell you about inflation. Okay. Um, last, I, last I suppose I could look on my taxi app, and that would give me a good sense. But yeah. Um, well, let me let me hit one other issue before we go to break here, and sure. that is uh, you were talking about uh, going up and down in the air raid shelters. 
you all are preparing for or have to be prepared for some sort of military operation. Is there any indication that the operation against Ukraine is widening from the Russians, or do you have a sense of that where you are now? Uh, widening beyond Ukraine? I mean, widening to more than, uh, you know, to, I know most of it is centered around Kiev, but other places in Ukraine. Um, and, and so I the whole, the whole Eastern bank of the, the whole Eastern bank of the Dnipro, uh, is, you know, actually, except Donbass, which was the whole pretext for this, as right. I understand. Well, as I understand, basically everywhere except Donbass is under huge fire. Um, not counting the village of the town of Shastya right on the front lines, which I've heard the R Russians have leveled by 80%. Um, and they took Chernobyl. And they, uh, they took Chernobyl. They have been conducting strikes on, tar on military targets in Western Ukraine. I have heard of reports of fighting in Lutsk, which is in the Northwestern part of the country on the border with both Poland and Belarus. Um, but as I understand, that action has not been particularly intense. Um, West Central, places like Ivano-Frankivsk, Ternopil, uh, Khmelnytsky, as far as I know, those have been quite uh, very quiet. Um, Lviv, I mean, there's, there has to be a reason that the air sirens are going off, but I don't know what it is. Right. Um, but I don't think that by the military analysis, analysis I've read, they are, you know, basically trying to make a sweep uh, down from the Belarusian border down to a central, a, a, a central Ukrainian city called Jitomir and kind of sweep east and control that, uh, control the areas. Like a pincer. Uh, east of that. Well, I mean. From the west and the, the east and the north. Right? And the south and the South from Crimea. Well, we're going to stop here and take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more. And when we do, Joel, tell me uh, what the, uh, what life was like in Kiev when, uh, before you left, we'll be right back. Hey, you, yeah, you, we're talking to you and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And while I'm sitting comfortable in my suburban DC home, I'm talking with Joel Wasserman, who is a uh, former high school football player. I had the privilege of coaching years ago, and he is stuck in an apartment in Ukraine. And while we were in the break, Joel, you heard from your girlfriend and she and her mother are on the way to, uh, uh, to a, a beachside location is everything all right? so not beachside oh not god beachside's not 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 safe right now okay she is currently in a mountain resort ah. town called uh yaremche 
her mom, uh, she got there last night after one hell of a trek. Uh, her mom is on her way on the train there now. Um, and you know, if you'd like, we can talk about that story. Yeah. That is, are so, they okay? Let's go with that first. Are they both all right? As far as you know, they are, they are. That's, and that's, um, that's what a lot of people are going to know is, is everybody okay. Then secondly, talk, tell me a little bit while we talk, how would you know if you had another air raid warning? So, I mean, are there loudspeakers you would hear or. Uh, so the 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 um the unfortunate thing is that i am in a building which is kind of like in a courtyard off the street so my ability to hear the street is somewhat limited which is why i've got to keep the windows open all the time even though it's cold um my most reliable way of getting information about go to an air raid shelter is from the telegrams of official sources in lviv like from the mayor and from the city council. What's the temperature and, and weather like where you are? Um, my computer tells me right now it is minus two degrees Celsius, so just a little bit of below freezing. And um, so, you, I mean, tell me now, before the break, we talked about the last month, uh, you left about a month ago from Kiev. Mm -hmm. What was the preparation? This has been ongoing for a while. What was the preparation like for where we are now in Kiev, say, six to eight weeks ago? Were they actively taking this seriously or uh, was it just thought to be uh, just, you know, Russian bombast? It was it was frustrating. The level of nonchalance I saw both in, you know, the people I knew and frankly, and frankly, the Ukrainian government, because, you know, you had Zelensky very publicly pressuring the U.S. OK, you say they're coming. You say they're coming. Number one, show me the evidence. Number two, OK, give me the weapons or, or you know, impose the sanctions already. Um, it was a it was a surreal time. I don't I think almost almost everybody in in this country was very surprised when this happened because no they 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 thought that putin couldn't be this crazy he couldn't be this stupid we hate him we'd never welcome him as a liberator we'd never accept him we'd never recognize the government he imposed as legitimate he's not stupid he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't try to do that maybe you know there'll be some you know escalation um, in the from the occupied territories, maybe you know they'll try to you know take a little bit out to make a land bridge to Crimea, something like that. But I think the full fledged invasion caught people very much by surprise. Um, so going back to I guess you know the the story of the story well, of the fact. Wait, I'm we, sorry. Go ahead. Before we go to that story. Yeah. Daniel, all right. You also the preparations. No one really thought that it would be like this. How uh, has how have the people reacted to the international uh, uh, community supporting Ukraine? Do they think it's enough? Do they think it's not enough? Are they happy with what? It de the it depends States on the it depends on the person. It depends on the it depends on the person. Depends on the country you're asking about. Um. Well, let's talk, let's talk. A lot of my friends, a lot of my friends in the civil society sector have been very frustrated that, you know, OK, you said you were you said that this would uh, 
you know, this would trigger uh, uh, devastating sanctions on Russia. Okay, where are they? And when you see the EU trying to negotiate a sanctions package, which includes, you know, cutouts for diamonds and luxury goods, you know what kind of message that sends. On the other hand, my understanding is that today, momentum has shifted on that significantly. And um, the, the, the yeah, governments yeah. in the West are, are coming to an agreement on sanctions that will be severely, severely devastating for Russia. So is it a, a matter of too little too late, or do you do people there think that it would be effective, or, or there's still hope? You have um, Zelensky calling upon the nations of the world to stop this. You had an address from uh, Kiev mayor and uh, famous boxer Vitaly Klitschko uh, in English, you know, calling upon the uh, calling upon the world to make this stop. Um, you know, but Putin is yeah. saying that you know it's uh, that Zelensky is a is a Nazi sympathizer, and that you're that the government is oppressing its people. Now that's been called as bullshit by pretty much anyone around the world, including mm -hmm. President Joe Biden. But I, I mean, is there any inkling of truth to that, or is that just a total fabrication? So um, the language that I mostly speak with my girlfriend is Russian. The language that I start out conversations with over here is Russian. I speak in the language that I'm spoken to, but my default language is Russian because it's the one that I know best and I'm most comfortable with. Um, Kiev is in my or you know in the pre-war time was in my estimation about a 60% 40% Russophone city even in the more strongly Ukrainophone west um I have never had any problem uh you know with 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 using whichever language I wanted whenever I damn well pleased except for one time when I was in a restaurant and it was a drunken asshole who promptly got thrown out um, the idea of Russian speakers being oppressed in this country is, I mean, it, 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 it's complete, it's mind-bendingly false to anybody who has spent any time in this country and is capable in speaking, of speaking in people's everyday languages. Right. I mean, even here, uh, you know, I, I, I hear... When, when I'm sitting down in the shelter with people from Kiev and with from Lviv, I'm hearing both languages. So it's, right. it's uh, I, I want your viewers to understand the idea of Russian speakers' rights being oppressed. I mean, uh, Ukraine has been trying to cultivate the use of Ukrainian as the official state language and has been prefer and you know has been trying to elevate Ukrainian, into a preferred status in in public life, but which as an oppressed that. language and as an oppressed language, as an oppressed people for hundreds of years under Russian imperialism, you know, it's of course they of course they want to you know they want to you know promote their own language, but people can speak any damn language they damn well please in this country. The idea of Russian speakers being oppressed, it's it's it's. It's com it, I, complete fiction. I, I don't know how else to say it.
Well, that's a great way to say it. So let, let's move on. You, you want to tell a story of your girlfriend up in the mountain resort? Let's do that. So yeah. as I said, I came over here about, came over to Lviv about a month ago when, and the, 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 the triggers for me to do that was the lack of seriousness of Russian diplomacy and the fact that, you know, they weren't offering any sort of ground that the Americans could possibly, you know, work with. And the fact that, you know, they were, they were building up, uh, building up a whole lot of forces, uh, you know, a large portion of their military that you don't just stick there to, to, you know, piss over uh, to, you know, take a leak over the border. Right. Um, so you saw it coming. I saw something coming. I, I'm, I was still shocked by, I was still shocked when they bombed Kiev the first night. I, I mean, America said that was going to, the American intelligence said that was going to happen, but I still, I guess, naively thought they wouldn't do that. And they did. Uh, and the American so, intelligence was turned out to know what they're talking about. Hallelujah. 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 It did. Um, so I made that decision. And. I kind of at that time made the decision for both of us without asking her, uh -oh. which was not fair of me. <laughs> and she resented that rightfully. So, um, you know, we had that conversation and, you know, I tried to explain to her this specifically is why I've come to the decision, why I've come to the conclusion that this is a good idea. Okay, there's the military, there's the political elements of it, but fundamentally, the risk is significant. Uh, rent by Western standards out here is quite cheap. Um, and so st uh, having an extra rent to pay for a little while was not going to break me. Um, Getting out early ensured that I was able to take a whole lot of my stuff, and it ensured that I was able to take my cat quite easily. Um, it ensured that I was able to find to get an apartment that I liked, that to uh, you know, and she's, did she have stay? a have a seat on the train, and you know, feel safe and you know, detached from the atmosphere of Kiev uh, so somewhat. Um, she stayed a few, so she didn't come with, uh, she didn't come right with me. She came a few days afterwards. Um, and her mother lives in Kiev or did? Her mother, yeah, her mother, her mother lives in Kiev. Um, she's yeah, the, to see her daughter now. Uh, so she's getting out to her daughter now. She's getting out to, uh, to Katya now. You're all planning to meet up there or where you are? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Um, I'm going to see how the situation... So they have a place uh, for a while in Yeremcha. I'm going to see what things look like this week uh, right. over the course of the week. So as we close, the one thing I do want to get to as we close is that of hope or is there any hope that that Ukraine will survive independently, A, and B, 
how long do you think this uh, this ground war will go on? A, Ukraine will survive. Its territorial boundaries um, are very much up in the air. Um, how long will the ground war go on? I'm going to have to defer you to, uh, to people with, with far better expertise than I, than I have. Um, a Ukraine will survive, whether it's centered in Lviv or whether it's centered in a nationwide, uh, partisan resistance movement. Um, the, uh, the opening line of the uh, of the Ukrainian national anthem, uh, Ukrainian national anthem, Shanavmerla Ukraini Nislavanya Volya. Ukraine has not yet perished, neither her glory nor her will. Um, and that will always be true. That will always be true. And there was a video that I watched last night uh, from the city of Sumy, out by the Russian border in the east. As you know, there was there was gunfire crackling in the distance. Uh, somebody played. Somebody was playing the final the final parts of the uh, of the Ukrainian national anthem uh, on the on a terribly on a trumpet, but it was just such a powerful moment of pride, of defiance, of resistance. I I, I tear up every time I watch it. Um, uh, uh, our souls and our bodies, we will, uh, we will lay down, uh, for our freedom and we will show brothers that we are of Cossack blood. <laughs> Those Cossacks. <laughs> I mean, translate it blood, family, lineage. Indulge me some so, some poetic license. Yeah. <laughs> so indulged, uh, Joel. I want you to stay safe, brother. Be 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 safe where I you will. are. I will. Thank you. And we'll stay in touch. And um, let me know how things go, and if there's anything we can do to help. I know there's humanity. Um, if I could make a if I could make a final appeal to your viewers, um, this country is going to need massive amounts of humanitarian support please ask your representatives to mobilize immediate uh, and effective aid to uh, help the people who are evacuating at the border to uh, help maintain the economic, help maintain some semblance of an economy in this country, uh, get food here, get fuel here, uh, get blood. Uh, there's probably going to be a COVID explosion because everybody's spending so much time in shelters. And please uh, pressure the rep uh, call upon the representatives of your government to accept Ukrainian refugees. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it, brother. We'll put the word out and we'll stay in touch. And you, like I said, be safe. Will do. This Thank is you for just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karam. It's been a, a, a very special time, Joel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. 
Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth, with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.